Hey, welcome to the Redeemer Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You know, at Redeemer, we're committed to following Jesus and connecting people to God's transforming love. And I hope that this podcast is just one more way that you connect to God's presence this week. We are now four weeks into 2021 and four weeks into a study on prayer. We are called to be a house of prayer and to be truly devoted to prayer in all things daily. Beginning our year focused on prayer has been truly powerful. And this week, Adam Barnett explores the confusing and challenging nature of unanswered prayers. So here is week four of House of Prayer from Pastor Adam Barnett. Good morning. You all got more sleep, a little bit more energy. Good morning. It's great to see you. Great to be in the presence of God with you today. Welcome to all of you who are with us online. Wherever you are watching from, we're always so thrilled to hear experiences that you're having worshiping uh, from home or traveling or quarantining due to uh, safety reasons, whatever it is, we just support you and we love you. We look forward to worshiping together in person with you again. Uh, We continue this series called House of Prayer today, but I want to just pause and say how excited I am to have Dave, our adult discipleship pastor, here on the ground from Ohio to Oklahoma. And uh, just so excited to work with him and serve with him and learn with him, learn from him. I'm excited for he and Wopsel to partner together in creating church-wide discipleship strategies from uh, all the way down to our littlest ones to our Solid Rock Rock Sunday School class. Uh, Just looking forward to that very much. Dave, welcome. Um, I'm also excited that he's going to be dedicating a lot of his time and energy uh, to starting back some of the ministries that have been paused due to COVID. And I know he's got a lot of ideas, creative ideas. Uh, His wife is an educator and she's had to really figure out this teaching online, teaching in person, and then the whole hybrid uh, model of teaching. So excited for their ideas. Would you put your hands together and just welcome Dave Brown and his family to the Redeemer family. Last week, I shared six words which describe six postures of the heart that I believe could create a vibrant prayer life in your lives and in mine as well. And I've just loved hearing from some of you as you've tried that this week and even got an email from a woman in our church who recorded her granddaughter praying these six words uh, before bed one evening. It begins with wow. This is adoration. God, you are awesome and holy and worthy of all of our praise. God, I stand in awe at who you are and what you have accomplished on my behalf. And then sorry, this is confession, this is lament, this is seeking the forgiveness of God. God, I'm a sinner, you know my struggle, you see me in my sin, but yet you still love me. I'm sorry, Lord. And then thanks, our hearts overflow with gratitude and thanksgiving. God, thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for my family. Thank you for provision. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then please, this is petition. This is supplication. Lord, I'm asking you today for healing. Lord, I'm asking you to restore this relationship. Lord, I'm asking you for wisdom in this situation. Lord, please provide. And then yes, This is surrender. This is saying yes to the will of God. Yes, I believe your will is good and pleasing and perfect. Yes, Lord, your will be done in my life. Whatever you ask, I say yes, here I am. Use me, send me. And then amen and amen. May it be so. This morning, our focus is on the prayer of petition. 
supplication, the, the pleading, the yearning for a movement of God in our lives, the desperation that many of us, if not all of us, have felt in our secret times with God. In Philippians 4, we find this instruction. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and petition, present your request to God. And in Matthew 21, we read, whatever you ask in prayer, whatever you ask, you're going to receive if you have faith. And in John 14, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If someone lacks basic understanding or Christian education or training in God's word, they might see verses like this throughout scripture and interpret it that God is somewhat of a genie in the bottle kind of God. And you got three big wishes after you get saved and you better use them wisely. We know this is not true of God. For any of you who have had a life of prayer, you know God, and maybe even you have found yourself on your knees in some occasions, pleading, begging, desperately asking God to move. All of God's people know that he doesn't always say yes. At times, it may seem like God isn't saying anything. C.S. Lewis even writes of this in one of his books on grief, where he says he approached the house of God and as he walks up to the front door of the house, he noticed that the lights were not even on. So he looked into the window and he couldn't see God. Where is God? If you have been in prayer over the course of your life, you know that he doesn't always say yes. Sometimes it appears that he's not saying anything. Even King David said, I'm worn out, calling for help. He said, my throat hurts. I've been praying for so long. He says, I can't even see my God. Where is he? My eyes fail looking for him. This is what a very well-known theologian from the great state of Oklahoma refers to as an unanswered prayer. He wrote, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. For some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. I love Garth Brooks. I can play most of his songs on the guitar. Because you just need to know four chords. Some of them three. But let's wade into this concept. Can our prayers be unanswered? Can, can a prayer be unanswered when we're praying to a loving and caring and intentional Father? Can our prayers just be dismissed like that? This is really messy. This is really, really messy. And I'm going to admit to you that I had a great heaviness in my heart as I prepared for this. So before I give you my thoughts, I want to be very clear about something. Today's sermon is about prayer. It is not about salvation. So if at any moment you think I'm talking about your salvation being hindered, I'm not. If you are in Christ, your salvation is absolutely secure. 
However, your prayers can be hindered, and we see that in the Bible. Because a Christian is the actual temple of the Holy Spirit, because God is alive in you, I don't believe that God ignores us, ever. God is alive in you. So rather than God ignoring us and not answering our prayers, I believe that God does say no or not yet at times when we pray. Anybody else having fun with this content yet? So what hinders a Christian's prayer? I'm going to share six reasons from the Bible that our prayers could be hindered and then conclude with a final exhortation for you today. Feel free to take notes. Number one, our prayers are hindered when we pray for the Arkansas football team to win. Becky, don't write that down. That's not one of the points. I just said that to put you at ease before we dive into some difficult content. And that joke was for Joe Scruggs. Number one, our prayers are hindered when we neglect the poor. Proverbs 21, 13, if a man shuts his ears to the cries of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. When you read scripture, we see that Jesus is especially passionate and devoted for the care of the poor and the orphan and the widow. And if we hear the cries of the orphan, the widow, and the poor, and we neglect to engage and then yet cry out to God for our own needs. It says here that we will not be answered. This is why Jesus said, have the poor over to your house for dinner. Why? Because they're not going to invite you back. It's an opportunity to give, 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 and not receive. To have relationship with, to have ministry with the poor. And he even says, whatever you do for the poor, this is Jesus, he says, you're doing it for me. And therefore, if we neglect the poor, we're neglecting Jesus himself. Our prayers are hindered when we neglect the poor. Number two, our prayers are hindered when we have selfish motives. This point is especially directed to me. Can anybody else relate? Or am I just one of the few selfish? Okay. James 4, 3. When you ask... You do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. I saw a funny card recently and it was packed with sarcasm but it was also appropriately and painfully true. It said, I'm not an astronomer but I'm pretty sure that the earth revolves around the sun and not you. Little reminder for us today. That as we pray, we don't pray with selfish motives. Number three, our prayers are hindered when we hold grudges. Mark 11, 25, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. I love how Eugene Peterson puts it. If you have anything against someone, forgive Only then will your heavenly Father be inclined to also wipe your slate clean of sins. I am 
horribly embarrassed to admit to you that I was in my late 20s before I learned how to forgive and not hold grudges. And it's Andrea who taught me. The unconditional forgiveness and grace and love that she showed me in all of my flaws, I was not showing her in return. Boy, I was young and selfish and really stupid. We cannot be people who hold grudges. If so, our prayers are hindered. Now, with all tenderness, I want to tell you something. With all tenderness, please, please listen. The Bible says to forgive. The Bible doesn't always imply that we need to restore. So I'm talking to any of you who are uh, here today with a story where you have been a victim of any kind of abuse. I'm not encouraging you as a pastor in your life that you need to forgive that person and then go restore that relationship. I'm not saying reach out to that person and try to restore what's been broken. Many abusive and unhealthy relationships should never be restored. But forgive. Forgive for your own health. Forgive so that God can move in your heart. Number four. Our prayers are hindered when we are unkind to our wives. Hmm. Ladies, you can sit this one out. But still pay attention. Listen, it's, it's good for you to be kind to your husband. It's good for you to be considerate to your husband. But Peter picks on the fellows here. Married men, this is not the time to get up and walk out of the sanctuary or the living room. Listen, we all need to recall this warning in Scripture. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect so that nothing will hinder your prayers. You know, some of the times I feel most distant from God happen to just randomly align with the times that I'm most unkind to my wife or the times that I hold a grudge and I have unresolved conflict in my marriage. So we are drawn into humility to pursue our wives with kindness and gentleness. This is not a demand for perfection, brothers. God knows that we all have our moments and we are human and we have flaws, but instead, if we hurt our wives with our words or our actions, we immediately reconcile with a sincere apology. Because if we don't, our prayers are hindered. I'm just telling you today, if you're a jerk and you belittle your wife, it may appear from the outside world that your marriage has it all together and you have a lovely relationship with your wife, but you cannot fool God. And God cares deeply about how we treat his daughters. Any sister here want to say amen and then I'll go to the next point. Thank you. Number five, our prayers are hindered. When we are disobedient, 1 John 3, 21 and 22, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and we receive from him anything we ask for because we obey his commands and we do what pleases him. For all of you parents here, when you have to punish your child and take something away from him or her, you don't enjoy it. Like, yes, I'm so glad they disobeyed me so I can take something away. That's not our posture as parents. We take something away because we love them. 
because we want to challenge their attitudes, challenge their perspectives, challenge them to get back under the care of our authority, back under the safety of our rules. It's no different with God. He doesn't take things away from us that we pray for to punish us, to make us feel bad about ourselves. But at times, he won't give us what we ask for because we're not living under the authority of his scriptures, his instructions. So, our prayers can be hindered when we are not obedient. Because I'm preaching this message, I'm fully aware that you came here for a series on prayer. And I'm preaching on sin. But I read the Bible and I see that these two are very clearly related. And these five things, neglecting the poor and selfishness and holding grudges and being unkind to our wives and being disobedient, we don't repent of these things, say, God, I'm so sorry for these things in my life so that you can hear my prayers and do what I'm asking. That's not what I'm encouraging you today. These five areas of sin need to be dealt with in our lives, not only because they hinder our prayers, but because they're righteous things, they're good things, they're they're godly things, they're the right things to do. It's right to love and serve the poor. It is right to live sacrificially. It is good to forgive. It's the right thing to be kind. It's the right thing to be obedient. And so here is the sixth and last reason that I'd like to share today from Scripture, and it does not deal so much with sin as much as it does surrender. Our prayers are hindered when we don't seek God's will over our own. In 1 John 5, we read, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything, According to his will, he hears us. We have a preaching team format here, and although we are aligned in where we're headed, we don't always sit down and share, you're going to go over these 24 things in your sermon. But we just trust the Holy Spirit to lead us as a team and guide us as we prepare. And I can't tell you how amazed I am at how our preaching team in this series, this has become a little bit of a theme. God's will over our own. This has become the direction that God has taken us on. And even many of the lyrics that our worship team team is leading us to sing and singing over us have to do very much with what we're learning from God's word. Later on in Garth Brooks' song, he sings, I guess the Lord knows what he's doing after all. As a preacher, I wish I had all the answers, but I don't on this one. God's will doesn't always align with ours. He spoke this through the prophet Isaiah. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. This is why Jesus taught us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to encourage you today that if you have prayed for something, whatever it is, fill in the blank. If you have prayed for you name it, if you've prayed to be married, to find a spouse, if you've prayed for your spouse to be healed from cancer, if you've prayed to be with child, if you've prayed to find a job, to find employment, to overcome this depression, to overcome this anxiety, to get into that college, 
If you have prayed to break that addiction in your life, whatever you have prayed, if it has not happened, you are not being punished. We know that much about our Father. He's not punishing you if things in your life that you're asking for do not happen. Even if these things that you're asking for are good things and in his will for your life. Not selfish motives. Not out of disobedience or unresolved conflict or grudges. Good things. And so we continue to pray as we talked last week in Romans chapter 12. That word constantly, the Greek, it also implies to persistently wait. We wait in prayer. We continue to ask. We continue to seek. We continue to knock. And we remember that God not always says yes to us, but sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says not yet. But as we pray, we wait, and we have to remember that as we wait, sometimes as we're waiting, God is doing more in our lives. It's more important than what we're actually waiting for. He is with you in your waiting. If what we pray for does not happen, or it doesn't happen in the timing that we prefer, we yield to God's will and we believe, Romans chapter 12, that God's will is good, God's will is pleasing, and God's will is perfect. Andrea and I have experienced some painful no's and some painful not yet's in our lives. Preparing for this sermon certainly reminded me of those. I'm also reminded of a very special place in my life. In my 20-something trips to the country of Haiti, there's this specific location down by the beach. And on most of those trips, I have gone down there by myself or with others, and I've removed my shoes, and I've stood on the edge of the water, and I've let the waves come in, and hit me on my feet. And when I do so, I'm reminded of God's dialogue with Job in the Old Testament. Job was asking God many, many questions, trying to figure out, God, do you love me? Are you for me? Are you with me? And he's asking all these questions. And at some point in their dialogue, I think it's chapter 38, God says, Job, brace yourself like a man, buddy. I am the Lord, and I'm going to ask the questions now, and you're going to answer me. And he says, Job, where were you when I marked off the earth's dimensions? And he said, Job, is it you that tells these proud waves to halt right here? And every single time I find myself standing in that special place in my life, reflecting on the great sovereignty of our God, I am reminded, yes, God told those proud waves to halt right there, not me. God marked off the earth's dimensions. God put the stars in their places, and he knows them by name. You know what I'm reminded of when I stand there in Haiti? I'm reminded that God is God, and I'm not God. And his will, whether yes, no, or not yet, is good and pleasing and perfect. As his son, I yield to that. If and when God's answer in your life is no, it does not mean that he loves you any less. It does not mean that your prayers are unimportant to him. He loves you and every word you speak is important to him. My friends, remember today that Jesus Christ, fully man, fully divine, 
the most holy person that has ever lived. He prayed once, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. But your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The answer that day was no. It cost Jesus his life. So we're given Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. But when God hears your petitions and when God hears your prayers and his answer is no or not yet and you get discouraged, God also gives us the very next verse, verse 7, the peace of God when God says no or not yet. The peace of God which transcends all understanding. That's back to Isaiah. His ways are higher than our ways. This peace that transcends all understanding is going to guard your heart and going to guard your mind in Christ Jesus. What a promise. A final exhortation for you today in relation to this difficult topic. Has it ever occurred to you that we will not be praying much longer? Whether you love prayer or you struggle to take time and space to pray, we will not be praying much longer because this life is a mist. It's a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. We are all fellow pilgrims traveling to the coming kingdom of answered prayer. Our Father's kingdom. Your life, and my heart is heavy because I know many of the struggles that you all are facing. Many of you have shared hardship and heartache with me. Your life and all of its struggles will be over more quickly than it seems for all of us. And in that moment, God will deliver on that great promise. Romans 8, 28, throughout all of eternity, We will see this promise in its complete form that God works out all things, all things, even the prayers that appear to be unanswered or the prayers in which he says no or not yet. God works out all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. Death is going to end all of our prayer sessions one day. Because when we wake up, and we see Jesus face to face, in that moment, we're gonna realize, my friends, that our prayers were all answered. They're all answered much better than we could have ever asked. Would you bow your heads? Lord Jesus, move in our hearts in this moment, move in our lives this day, And I ask that you reveal to us if there's any area of sin that hinders our prayers. Friends, as you submit your thoughts to the Holy Spirit right now, just invite God himself to reveal to you if there is a sin area in your life that you can confess to him today and repent and just say, sorry, Lord. Forgive me of this sin I don't want my prayers to be hindered, Lord. 
If you sense there's an area of your life, take a moment and repent. Lord, we pray as best as we know how. Your will. Your yes. Your no. And your not yet. Your will be done on earth and in our lives as it is in heaven. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church Podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.